Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Even when your darkest hours, we're gonna do, we're gonna keep praising. We're gonna keep lifting up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh God, you're great and you're greatly to be praised. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many of you guys are thankful to be in the house of God tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So thankful. As you guys make your way to your seats, I am so thankful again to be here, to have the privilege and the honor of being in the sanctuary and this service, giving our great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ all the praise and all the honor that's due to his name. Amen. I know a lot of us had a long day at work. Some of you guys, or a lot of you guys, had a long day at school probably. You guys excited to be in youth service tonight? I'm not trying to brag, but I get, uh, I have the mic now. <laughs> I get to introduce the preacher tonight. <laughs> I'm very thankful for this young lady. Um, I mean, she's not younger than me, but, <laughs> you know, I got a thing for the preacher lady tonight. <laughs> but I'm very thankful. I'm very honored. She's my wife. She is my woman. <laughs> I'm very thankful to have her in my life. Baby, why don't you come to this desk? We're all behind you 100%. We believe in you. We're so thankful for you. You mean more to each and every one of us than you realize. Now I'm going to say on the count of three. When I get to three, you're going to say, come preach the word, okay? One, two, three. Come deliver the word of the Lord tonight. I'm not that older than him, just clarifying. Who's excited to be here tonight? Who's excited to go out to eat after? I am. I will not be long, but I also won't be short. So we're gonna have to find out. Um, I'm thankful for my wonderful husband that has supported me, all my friends that surprised me from Women's Life Ministry. All my family, all my friends, I just love all of you. So let's get on with it. Let's stand for the reading of the word. Matthew chapter 7. Verses 21 to 27. And it says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the, doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Luke chapter six, verses 45 through 49. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. 
And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house, a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Why don't we all just lift our hands and thank God for bringing us here. God, we love you. We're excited for your word. Just want you to move, Jesus. Just want to be your vessel tonight, God. Lord, let our ears hear and help us be changed. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. So this is a little weird. I'm going to try not to go too slow, but I just have to build a little bit of a foundation. So I just want to start with saying I am preaching to myself. This is something that God has dealt with me upon. So just keep that in mind. But um, I'm just going to. I came to realize coming to God that I grew up a certain way that conflicts with the way that God is raising me. So first as a Christian, now as a wife, and as a leader in ministry. And sometimes the way that he delivers us from things, sometimes it takes a little more work. So certain ideas that were taught to me when I grew up is speak your mind, speak your truth. Because if you don't tell it like it is, they're not going to know. First things first, there's no such thing as your truth. Truth is not relative to the speaker. It's absolute. It is what it is. So to make your truth different from the truth would make yours an opinion. And unfortunately, this is a very common mindset in today's world. Um, you'll be taught this a lot in high school, middle school. I was taught it, and we've gone much farther in the world since I've been there. Tens and tens of years ago, I guess. But it's common to be paraded for being outspoken about things that, um, if, you, if you hold back on your opinion, you're scared, right? But if you disagree with someone, then you're an enemy. And that's just sort of the world that we're in today. You know, it's, it's a trend to be bold on social media about things that really shouldn't be discussed on social media. And so when I think about the phrase that I was taught my whole life, speak your mind, because I took this seriously. I can't be the only person that's been told things that weren't in the Bible, but they were said as if they were Bible. So viewing it as a Christian, I think about the fact that this doesn't really line up with charity. This kind of reminds you of the surface, you know, the sand. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus is saying to the Pharisee, he asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. It's just as great. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The Bible also tells us in Romans 14, 13, it says to not judge one another anymore, but to determine not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. The New Living Translation says, let's stop condemning each other. So just to be clear, the whole judge not, it's not saying righteous judgment. If you're sinning, I'm not going to be a fake friend and tell you that you're not. but I'm going to try to help you. I'm going to speak to you in love. In Romans, it says, um, if you catch your brother in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness. It says to restore. You know, sometimes you need that hard word, but your words can put a stumbling block in your brother's way. 
So I guess viewing this as a Christian, the whole speak your mind, speak your truth, there's a time and a place and a way. And all of them have to come after prayer and a motive check. Viewing this as a wife, <laughs> speak your mind doesn't always mean be respectful. <laughs> and it doesn't always mean be honoring and loving and submissive. And I, I can say this because I have learned that. <laughs> Ephesians 5 and 33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence or respects her husband. And our words are important. First Peter 3 and 1, likewise ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, you don't just disrespect them. They also may be without the word one. How? By the conversation of the wives, the way that you live your life. Are you respectful? <laughs> so speaking my mind all the time doesn't really mix well with respect. And then viewing this as a leader, well, I think of Proverbs 29 and 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, and a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. And when you read these scriptures and, and you hear things like, put yourself first. If you don't, no one will. These are doctrines of the world. And there's, because of that, there's an internal struggle. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere kind of weird, so just bear with me. But... In this internal struggle, I, you, you could say it'd be like Moses being the Egyptian and the Hebrew. But I really, and this is a stretch, so there's other preachers that can clean this up. But I think of Samuel and Saul. Not really Saul and David, although Saul and David's a good one. But I think of Samuel and Saul. Samuel is kind of like the leader that's in us, and Saul is the flesh. So for those that don't know about Samuel, I'm going to try to be really quick with this, okay? So Samuel, he ministered unto the Lord from a young age. First of all, he was a prayer baby, but technically all babies are prayer babies. So you can imagine he's very respectful to his man of God. From a young age, he was brought to the house of God. He stayed at the house of God. The Lord called Samuel three times, and he believed it was Eli calling him. The third time, Eli understands that it's the Lord calling him. And, and this, is pretty, this is precious because it shows that the man of God and the voice of God are the same. Um, so he hears it and he assumes that it's God. Chapter 3 clarifies and lets us know that he doesn't know the Lord yet. But he ministers before the Lord. He just hasn't had that digging. He hasn't dug down deep to the rock. This also shows us that Knowing the Lord yet, not knowing the Lord yet, is supposed to be temporary, right? So at this stage in Samuel's life, it's okay to not understand that's the voice of God. But later down the line, you better know. So verse 19, chapter 3, you don't really have to follow, but read it when you get home. It tells us that Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did not let any of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel knew that he was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And he began to dig and dig. And he began to dig in prayer and walk in his call. And, you know, everyone knows I'm a prophet. Things are going to be good. And then the Ark of the Covenant gets taken. And no one's looking at Eli. I mean, Eli is older now. He's kind of passed the baton. But I can imagine how Samuel must have felt um, as a young leader watching Watching a failure, you know, watching, watching something happen that you didn't really expect. You didn't pray for that to happen. And oftentimes when we, we have this human nature, right? Bishops said it before, but I'll say it again. We have fight or flight, okay? And oftentimes when we feel like God hasn't answered our prayer or God has given us the exact opposite of what we are expecting, 
we run. We stop praying. We're like, okay, this call's not for me. I tried. Sister Tabitha pointed it out. We back up off the threshing floor. But Samuel, he began to dig. He trusted. And it said that he actually made sacrifice immediately. And he could have been mad at God. But when he trusted, it says that the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel's life. So then Samuel's a little older, and his sons are walking away from God. And the people decide, you know what? You served your purpose, and uh, I know God anointed you, but we want a king. And it shows and it shows the, the, the humanity side of leadership, you know. You hear this from the people that you're pouring your heart out to. And you feel rejected. Has anyone here ever felt rejected? Like, just, okay. The little kids, too. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen for the rest of your life. Um, <clears throat> so you're on a good track. <laughs> Well, what did God say when, he went, when Samuel went to him? God didn't go, oh, Samuel, come here, Samuel. Come here, Samuel. It's okay. No. He said, well, they're actually rejecting me, but thanks for taking some of it. <laughs> Thank you, Samuel. That was for calling you old. Saying. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, the people, they, they want the king, and God tells them, you know what? We're going to give them exactly what they want. And the Bible says that Saul was chosen by God. And oftentimes when I read about Saul, I think, oh, this is just who the people wanted. But no, God's in control. You know, God handpicked this leader. So then we, we meet Saul, and very short story about Saul. I'm not really going to brag on him because there's nothing really to brag about, but he's, he's going to be the flesh, right? So he's the sit back and don't really work hard. He's that part of us. So he's tall. He's cool. He gets anointed. Everyone loves him. He listens to Samuel, I think, only once very beginning of his uh, walk as a king, very beginning of his reign. And it's interesting, the time that he listened to Samuel, it was when it was going to profit him. No pun intended, it was when he was amongst the prophets. <laughs> I was hoping he'd get that. <laughs> the only time he ever listened. And for the rest of his leadership journey, he didn't want to get his hands dirty. So he backed up, but he stayed popular with the people, and even when he was a complete reprobate, all he can think about was his image. And from the outside looking in, not understanding the spiritual part, you see one guy is super popular with the whole nation, and the other guy is the town crier that no one wants to hear, only bringing bad news. And for a split second, if you're in Samuel's shoes, you can start to think that disobedience to God looks a little appeasing. He's getting, I mean, he's getting accolades. They're singing songs about this guy. Meanwhile, I can't get him to listen to me. I'm trying to help him lead, and I just get kicked in the mud. But our text tells us about the outcome. Samuel built his foundation on the rock. And Saul built his foundation on the sand. And with all that background, that actually wasn't bad. I just want to take a few moments to talk to us about no exceptions, no excuses. Okay? So, having your foundation built on the rock, it comes out of, it comes out in your character. Okay? So like I said in the beginning, we've all ingested a few teachings that weren't really biblical. But it's not an excuse to not learn the right ways. Right? Just because you've done something the same way your whole life, 
Just because you've responded the same way your whole life, it, it's not an excuse to continue to respond that way if God's working in your life. If, if, if God's working in your life, that won't even be an option. Because if you're standing still, the kingdom of God's moving forward. So you're not really where you were. You're behind. So if your foundation is built on the sand, okay, the text tells us, I believe that was verse 24. Actually, let's go to 27. Verse 27, if you can put that up. Matthew chapter 7, verse 27. If your foundation is built on the sand, okay, winds of offense are going to come and the floods of a bunch of people randomly disliking you, so you think. It'll be a flood of a bunch of people that are looking right past you, but you swear they're giving you dirty looks. And out of nowhere, you're no longer serving God. And you'll suffer setback after setback after setback. You'll go to the altar and you'll get your victory and you'll leave to the lobby and someone can say hello to you and you take it wrong. But God created us to go from glory to glory to glory. Amen? So, inspect yourself, okay? How do you know if your foundation is built on the sand? Well, when the winds blow, how do you react? How do you react when you're corrected? I've been serving God for five years. Five. Five and a half. Five and six. Five and six years. And the deeper that I've gone, the more I get corrected. I don't know about anyone else. <laughs> but the deeper that I go, the more I get corrected. I'll be thinking, okay, God, fill me. My Bible streak is like 76. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, you're not reading. Um, <laughs> like, okay, I'm moving. I'm walking. And then, boom, I get a phone call. Hey. Just a point of correction. I love it. You get to a place, young people, you get to a place when you, you wait for it. You hope for it. Because if you're not getting corrected, something's wrong. And either no one's checking on you or you can't hear them. And I tell you what, they're checking on you. So when the floods arise and you're offending and you're becoming offended... How do you move forward? You know, there's, I'm getting ahead of myself a little, but there's, there's something about humanity where I, I remember times where I, there was seasons, I used to tell my brother all the time, I felt like everyone was offended with me. I would smile at everyone, shake everyone's hand, hug everyone, and get all these text messages and pulled aside for these meetings and all this stuff. And instead of realizing, okay, maybe you're a problem, like maybe there's something in you, I went, oh, what is with these people? <laughs> me, the one person, there's a crowd of 20 people around me, but they're the problem. That's the sand. So how do you move forward? At first, I got mad. And what did I do? I talked to God, right? No, I talk to my friends. That's the sand. When you start getting upset because of where you are in life, without knowing it, if you don't go to God first, you're probably mad at him. And he knows it. And it's kind of like Jonah. It takes you a minute to get to him and finally talk to him and go, you know what? I'm prideful. I'm disrespectful. I'm right in my own eyes. I, I looked it up. I didn't print it out. But there's about seven or eight scriptures about being wise in your own eyes. And it never ends well. So in case you're wondering, spoiler alert. But, <laughs> but in order to, to really dig deep, okay, so to get out of the surface, I wanted a picture. There wasn't a picture. But just imagine there's layers of, we'll use the stairs, 
clean, is it? <laughs> no. Well, the platform is the sand, okay? And you dig a little deeper, and you have like sandy dirt, and you dig a little deeper, and you find fish and worms, and you dig a little deeper, and you're finding what? Fossils, apparently. A lot of you need to take a uh, geology class, but <laughs> then you dig a little deeper and it's a little harder to dig, you know? You, but that's where the rock is. So usually when people get here, let's see, sand, dirt, worms, yeah. Usually when people get to the worms, no way, I'm good. That's a little too dirty for me. God still talks to me from up here. It's fine. But the Bible says, okay, Matthew mm, 7, 16, 16 through 20. I'm going to need the help from media. So Matthew chapter 7, 16 through 20. Okay. So Jesus is speaking. He says, you shall know them by their fruits. Okay. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Now, if the sand is up here, the fruit's all the way down there. And every time I try to dig and get some joy in my spirit, mm, I don't like the worms. Or someone said, I don't like the dead fish. I don't, I don't know what you guys see in sand. Next verse. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. How do you know something's a good tree? You know that a tree is a good tree when their roots are deep. Okay? If a tree is not a good tree, it's a young tree, more than likely in one of our um, Hurricane Sandys, it's going to blow over. It's gone. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So either way, I'm going to bear fruit. Okay? God's fruit is down there on the rock. My fruit is on the sand. And if you haven't learned from the Garden of Eden, my fruit's not that good. Next verse. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. So the fruit down there cannot look like my fruit. If I'm a good person at all, it's not because I'm up here. It's because I'm down there. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fr fruit. Um, Sister Morgan, my cadet, can you please stand over there? Just stand right in front of me. Okay. Um, looking that way is fine. Okay. So, Sister Morgan is going to represent God's fruit. She's going to have a huge smile on her face, as always. She's going to have her hands sticking up like a tree, a very fruitful tree. God bless her with many fruits. Amen. And I'm over here. I'm in my sand. And part of what it's like to have corrupt fruit is to see someone else's fruit and go, ugh. This girl's always worshiping up front. She just wants everyone to see her dress. I'm telling you, it's fake. Or, <laughs> or corrupt fruit will go. No, I love this part. So corrupt fruit will go. Oh, hi, you look so cute. Okay. <laughs> that part. Corrupt fruit will be fake, right? And fake isn't always just, uh, well, I'm going to keep it real. I don't like her, so I'm going to not like her. That's also fake. That's just fake Christian. There's a second part to that. You can put your hands down. I'm sorry. But fake is saying that you love God, but you can't love your sister. And oftentimes when we have evil fruit and we see someone bearing good fruit and we want to bear fruit like that, instead of running to them and going, hey, what are you doing different from me? Can we get in a Bible study or something? You go, super spiritual. 
No one needs to pray that long. You're being ridiculous. So that brings us back to Samuel's fruit and Saul's fruit, right? And again, Saul doesn't have a lot of fruit. I don't really like to waste my time on him. He didn't waste his time with God, so it's no friend of mine. But Samuel's fruit, okay? He was rejected by Saul, left and right. And in the end of Saul's career, his fruit was, was begging God, prayerful tears. Like, God, I know that he never listened to us. I know that he never listened to a word that I said, but please, God. I mean, this guy, he prayed over Saul so much, God said, enough, I'm done. You're filling up the canteen and I'm not answering. And if God answered some of you like that, you'd never pray again. That's a fact. If, if he answered me like that on the sand, forget it. That's the winds coming. That's the rains pouring. Sometimes wind looks like God telling you no and seeing your reaction. And the point I'm trying to make here is there's no exceptions to God's word, okay? So if you're still toiling in the sand and everyone's season is different, okay? I don't even remember how long Naeem was serving God, but I can still count on one hand, and he is Pastor Hammond, okay? And this isn't, I'm not insulting him. This is all God. God, God promotes, and he demotes. It's all God. But there's, and I'm trying to be careful, but there's, there's saints of God that have been serving for 10, 20, 30, 35 years, and they still don't know how to react to someone that looks at them dirty. And it makes you wonder, are you serving God or are you coming here? And that's not just for the people that have been here for tens and tens of years, but even the, uh, even the ones that grew up in it. Even the ones, and it doesn't matter how long you've been serving. The, the thing that I love about God is <laughs> at the end of your shift, you all get paid the same. It doesn't matter how long you've been working. At the end of your shift. And I don't know if you noticed, I kind of, well, I'm a little imaginative with the scripture. But I feel like the people that started working at the beginning of the day and the people that started working towards the afternoon had the same skill set. God qualified them. So... I guess what I'm trying to say is, you can be serving God for two years. If God has a higher expectation of wisdom in you, it doesn't matter how long you've been here. He's outside of time. Part of my text, Matthew 7, 22, I'm very thankful for the media team. She's awesome. Just wanted to throw that in there. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? So, not being ugly, but is he talking to a Baptist church? Is he talking to the Roman Catholic Church? Is he talking to the lost? Or is he talking to the house? Is he talking to the people that know his name? And it's sad. Oh, God, it's sad. There's, there's a verse in the Bible that says that the righteous are scarcely saved. There's no hope for the sinner. If we can barely get it here, being fed by anointed preaching, get, given the opportunity to serve God on the clean team, on Sunday school, whatever, you name it, given the opportunity to put your hands to the plow, having people teach you Bible studies, pick you up to take you shopping or get you food. If we can't get it here, how do we expect the rest of the world to get it? Let me put it like this. If you can't dig past the sand here, how do you expect people to hear you on outreach? How do you expect your family to hear you? 
How do you expect to be a light, but you can't even turn on a switch? So part of why God talked to me about this was, um, you can be seated, I'm going to be a little longer. <laughs> so, coronavirus came in like a thief in the night, right? Elephant in the room. <laughs> Out of nowhere. And my God, I don't talk, okay, when I say this, I'm not saying, go scroll on social media. That's not, it's not a devil, but it can be. But, man, I remember scrolling on social media and left and right, and mainly in, unfortunately, California. And my heart is with California. But I have never seen so many young people backslide at once. Like, sometimes they go together as friends. But I've never seen so many people backslide at once. Now, I understand I haven't been here long, but I think... I think some of the veterans can agree. And it's like the people in isolation, they forgot about God. Like, yeah, I, I can't, maybe I can't go to church with my friends, but I don't have to pray either. I mean, I only prayed there anyway. And, and the problem with the sand is you never learn how to build altars in your own home. Samuel... Samuel built altars to God. Altars. Saul built one. And it was out of disobedience. That's actually why he got cut off. The one thing that he had to do, the one thing that Saul had to do was be patient. That's how he got cut off. He couldn't wait on the man of God. And, and the Bible says, and read it when you get home, the Bible says as soon as Saul was done making the sacrifice. Spoiler alert, he wasn't allowed to make sacrifice. He didn't know how to do it. He didn't know God. As soon as he was done, Samuel showed up. So it's like, I watch all these young people backslide, and as soon as they left, their miracle was right around the corner. And I'm thankful. I, I am beyond thankful that we stayed open. I don't knock anyone that had to do what they had to do. It wasn't the same story. But it made me think about my own salvation. Okay? Because what if we were in California? What if our doors closed? How many of us in that time can honestly say, well, it's okay, I pray at home. Well, that's, that's fine. You know, I'll still read my Bible. I'll still be faithful. I'll still be faithful in my tithe and offering, my essential workers. I wasn't essential. <laughs> it was the best two-month vacation of my life. Oh, Jesus. Well, <laughs> but I think about my own salvation. And at that time, I began to check myself. And you realize that when you're in sand for so long, you don't notice that you're in the sand. So when you first get to the beach, Lover's Key, Bunch Beach, I don't remember what it was called. All of them are like this. Everyone loves the beach. It hurts. Okay? You get there, and there's rocks everywhere. And you're like, party, guys. <laughs> Let's play volleyball. You can't even walk. But after a while, it's like either you're bleeding or you're numb. But... <laughs> You can walk just fine. It's like the rocks aren't even there. Well, when you're in the sand for so long, it doesn't hurt anymore to not move forward. In fact, moving forward looks foreign. And that's when you start scorning, and I don't really have enough time, so we'll just keep going. But you don't realize how not secure the, the sand is versus the rock. And I remember looking around one prayer service, and I, I was actually happy. Well, it was mixed feelings. So I saw all these people that were backsliding. I'm like, wow, God, we made it. Can't believe I said that. I said, God, none of ours got got this season. And I understand there's seasons, okay? But I'm like, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Ah. And I had this fire. And looking back, 
It's one of two things, okay? Either it hadn't happened yet, or I wasn't connected like I needed to be, and there were warning signs, because no one backslides overnight. The whole coronavirus thing was just an excuse, so. But those words ring in my ears now when I think about all the second year hit, right? Coronavirus, it's not even, it wasn't even one year, it's two years now. Apparently it's still alive. Ready for that to be over, but. Second year hits, 2021, and left and right. People are gone from here. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why or how? You see some people and you're like, what? For that? Really? And their hearts were failing them. Sorry. their minds deceiving them. And at first, I was like, okay, I understand. Not everyone lasts. But then it hit really close to home. And it didn't make sense. So I started reading. Because every answer's in the Bible. Every answer's in the Bible. Even if it's the answer you don't want, I promise it's in there. <laughs> and I start reading Matthew 24, 11 through 13. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And a false prophet doesn't really have to stand up and go, I'm a prophet. It's really just an influencer that is against God. So in reality, it can be your siblings, it can be your teachers, whoever you hold as a, as a solid place in your life can start talking. And it could be someone in, in church. Bible says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they're really of God. And anyway, verse 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. My Sunday school kids know what iniquity is. It's that sin within. Okay, it's, it's, it's up here. It's in here. It's I'm on choir and I'm worshiping. Or I'm, I'm still in Sunday school. I'm still singing front line, but not really sure if I believe in God anymore. Verse 13 tells us, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And I, I think about, I started thinking about the people. I'm trying to hurry. I'm sorry. I started thinking about the people that walked away, and I go, do they believe that they're still saved? Because when you're in the sand, the rock doesn't make sense anymore. The sand is now your rock. You're so comfortable on the surface. And you think, that's just as deep as I can go. Everyone's walk is different. And you start, the ideas of the world starts looking like truth more than the stuff coming from the desk. And then 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils. And, and I'm sorry, I have a lot of scripture, but every answer is in the Bible. Ephesians 4.14 tells us that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And even this world knows, like, if you don't, this world even knows that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. From the gospel artist, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> but it's true. The Bible says that the children of this world, they're wiser than the children of the light. They're wiser. 
they, they believe the demonic. They believe there's devils out there. The children of this world don't always believe that. And essentially, what I'm trying to say, if you're not, if you're not dug deep enough in this rock, you will fall. You will. It's not if. It's not, well, I'm still bringing myself here. I'm still doing me. You're not doing anything. God is giving you mercy. He's giving you grace. But eventually, you're gone. And it'll happen subtly. You'll start to think, 30 minutes of prayer is a long time. And then you'll start to think, 30 minutes on Sunday, well, an hour on Sunday, and 30 minutes on Tuesday is too long. But you can listen to that music as long as you want. Not feel a thing. And, and even for my people, this isn't just for the people that have never dug deep. For the people that have dug deep before. You have been used before and you backed up. And you're more comfortable with, you know, I read here and there. We read a chapter for choir. I'm fine. But you can't, you can't see how time-consuming Instagram and TikTok and Visco, and I'm not coming for you guys. I'm just saying that people, people use that stuff for different than what you think. And if you're not reading, if you're not in the book, if you're not in prayer, it's going to be television. You're not exempt from the winds blowing. And I was mad. And I was mad. I was talking to God. I'm like, how, how have the elect fallen? The people that know, because they didn't really know. And that's when he said, there's no exemptions. There's no excuses. And in the words of First Lady, it doesn't happen overnight. And we've all been taught this, okay? This isn't something new. And I, I've been taught this, but when God said this, it really hit me. And I realized that the deeper you go, it's, it's, a, more, it's, a, it's a narrower path. James uh, 4.17 tells us that to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin, Okay? So if I'm in the sand, I don't really understand that God wants me to pray more than 30 minutes at church. But when you dig down deeper and God is expecting more of you, it, it's a little easier for you to fall off path. But it's also, it's also easier for you to get back on. Because you already have that relationship built with God. And if you actually plan to go to heaven, like if you actually plan to go to heaven, you're going to need to... Get over yourself. And it, I don't know. I was feeling bad because this wasn't something super deep, but it's just really on my heart. God wants us to produce certain fruits, okay? And we all, taught, we all heard about it. Love. Love is a really important fruit because people fell away because they loved not the truth, not because they didn't know it. There's so many people in this world, you don't even realize they were apostolic. There's people that know their Bible more than you, who's been reading faithfully and praying and fasting. They know it, but they didn't love it. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And part of that love, and, and you don't have to stop praying and reading to, to get back on the sand. There's other things that you can do that can lead to less devotion. The way that you talk to people, the way that you talk to people that are different from you or not in your little circle or how you treat people when they come to you and you're busy. Can we lift our hands for a second? The Bible says that if we're not producing fruits, we're going to be hewn down. We're going to go in the lake of fire. And I'm, I'm not trying to make this a doom and gloom <laughs> type of thing, but that, that's just the reality. 
And I don't think a lot of us understand that, that the word is true. As, as dumb as that sounds. I don't think a lot of us understand that we don't have enough willpower to make it to heaven. Like God, and we can all stand. God gave us a powerful will, but you can't, the will couldn't keep them in the garden. They didn't love God's word enough. They didn't trust him enough. They couldn't stay. They wanted to stay. Who wouldn't want to go to paradise? I, in the world, I always, I, I'm going to go to heaven. I really believed that. I really believed that. And the thing is, if you're not, if you're not tethered to this word, if you're not, you're going to get hurt and you're going to get offended. And I'm not trying to speak doubt to you, but this, this is just real talk. If you're not reading your Bible, God will let some sort of storm happen. It says it. He lets this stuff happen. He's in control. It's not God versus the devil. He's telling him what to do. He's calling the shots. And everyone looks at the ministers and go, well, they don't have to go through anything. I remember thinking that. I remember thinking that about my brother and John and Matthew. I remember thinking, they don't go through anything. They never have a bad day. Wow, bless God. Everything for them is roller coasters and cotton candy. But if you ask them, how did you get past your greatest trials? And there's more to come. That's part of this. And what I'm trying to say is whether you're living for God or you're not, you're going to get trials. So don't hear what I'm saying and think, well, I don't want to serve God. I don't want to get deep. It's going to happen. There's something so interesting, fascinating about the concept of pain. Who here loves to just be in a lot of pain? Ever broken arm? Who here would love to do it again? I can't count how many bones I've broken. But all of them were painful. To, did you just say zero? Whatever. I've broken like six. All on the right side. I'm all right. But when, when you're in so much pain, it gets to a point where you're numb. And that's kind of a scary place, okay? If you're, and I'm trying to relate this to, when you get mad at God, you're not answering in time. And one thing, God never promised you a time frame. How dare you? not a vending machine. You don't just go to him whenever you want and get what you want. Giving however much you want. We always want. In humanity, it's like we want the reward for work that we never put in. And when you're angry with God for long enough, you're not going to feel him anymore. Even though he is reaching. One thing that always bothered me about um, Esau, he never found repentance. He sought for it eventually, but he couldn't find it anymore. He spent too much time, and we can get to that place if we don't dig down to that rock and find purpose. And maybe you found it before, and you doubted it, or you lost it, but it's not about what you think. If anyone here hears God reaching for you, just come to the altar. The point I'm trying to make is you got to rise above where you are now. Because otherwise you're going to, you're not going to make it. And this world wants that. That's the thing. People backslide and they think, well, they think I'm going to get what I want out there. 
you're just getting lies and torment. And you know it. When you're out there, you know it's not the way. You know it's not the right place. God, I never want my circumstances to be an excuse not to, not to pray. God, I never want... I never want to think I'm exempt from the storm just because I prayed it away. God, help us. We just lift our... Somebody's up to your voice right now. Jesus. That's not like Jesus. Move your way, God. Listen, young people, right now, let's lift our hands right now. God has so much for us. I want to share something with somebody tonight. The enemy is, is really cunning and he's a liar. And something that I fell for, for a season of my life walking with God, was that I did not want to dig deeper. Because I was afraid that once I started to dig deeper, that something would happen with my family. That maybe something would happen with my child. That something would happen between my wife and I. That, that something terrible would happen. So it pushed me away from God. But the opening verse that Sister Camila brought forth, it says that the storm comes either way. I don't care if you dig deep. I don't care if you don't dig. That storm is coming. And either way, we have something powerful here, church. We have the word of God. We have prayer. We have anointed preaching. We have all the tools that we need to succeed. Amen. So let's use what we have right now. Let's, let's take this moment and, and let's realign ourselves. Say, God, help me just look at myself, Lord. What am I doing that's probably not right? Let's, let's lift our hands to him right now. Say, God, where do I need to be, God? What steps do I need to take, Lord? And the enemy might want to bombard you, say, there's so many things that's going on. But just ask Jesus, Lord, where can I begin? Where can I start? Where can I go? If you talk to him, if you, if you really look at yourself, you confront yourself. God can use that. When we're not lying to ourselves, when we don't think that, you know what, I'm good where I'm at. When we have a desire, a love to be closer to Jesus, a love to, to be closer to him, to love him, to love our neighbors, Jesus. Lord, I need to be like you, God. Lord, I need to be like you, Jesus. Lord, speak to me, Lord. Lord, convict my heart, God. Lord, bring me to the prayer room, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, that I open my word, Lord. What am I supposed to media, God? Convict my heart, God. Lord, I want to be with you, Jesus. God, I don't want easy excuses anymore, God. Lord, I don't want these excuses anymore, God. At the end of the day, God, they won't stand. At the end of the day, God. But Lord, I thank you for your mercy, Jesus. I thank you for your grace, God. He's given us another day. He's given us another hour. He's given us another moment to reach him, to call upon his name. Fill me with your spirit. Jesus. Lord, I long to Jesus. Like you. Oh, come on. I need some help with some people praying right now. Come on, there's people right now. They're, they're feeling the love of God. They're feeling the conviction of God. And I need you to, to pray right now. Come on, church. Oh, shalala, bash. 
Jesus. 